Welcome to the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with your host, accountant and author Carol Topp, the homeschool CPA. Carol takes confusing topics such as money and business and puts them into clear English. She's ready to share her knowledge with you on today's show. Hello, welcome back to the Homeschool CPA Podcast. This is Carol Topp. And welcome back to part two of a four-part series for tiny homeschool groups. And in the previous episode, number 175, I explained what a tiny homeschool group was and answered the question of, should a tiny homeschool group be a nonprofit? So you can go listen to that episode. You can find all my podcast episodes at homeschoolcpa.com slash podcast. In this episode, number 176, I want to follow on a little bit with some things I introduced in that previous podcast, and we're going to talk about when and what tiny homeschool groups need to do in terms of filing paperwork with their state and with the IRS, all right, because I get asked that a lot. Or they think, because I'm tiny, I don't have to file anything, and eh, sometimes that's true. Um, hey, I defined a tiny homeschool group in the previous episode of well, it's got a couple criteria, although there's no set definition. But basically, you have less than $5,000 of total gross revenues in a year. That's all the money you bring in. Usually all volunteer-based, usually small in size, less than 20 families, usually low-risk organizations that are not formed as nonprofit corporations in their state, but stay as unincorporated associations. So that's the first thing I want to talk about. Do you need to file anything with your in your state? Well, I told you in the previous episode it takes three things to form a nonprofit. And one is the board of people. An individual can't do it alone. And if you're an individual running it, you're probably more a for-profit business, not a nonprofit. Nonprofit's distinction is they're run by a board. So you need a board. You need some uh, nonprofit purpose, like education of children, like most homeschool groups are. And that purpose is stated in your organizing document called the bylaws. So draft some bylaws, have a board, ta-da, you're a nonprofit. Now, those bylaws don't need to be filed with your state or need to be filed really anywhere, okay? Sometimes if you're filing for tax-exempt status with the IRS, the IRS might ask to see a copy, but not typically from tiny organizations. So these bylaws are more of an internal document to say this is how we're run, this is how we're organized. The only uh, organization or entity that might want to see your bylaws as proof that you are a nonprofit organization might be your bank when you set up a banking account. So you draft those bylaws, but they're for your internal use only. You don't really need to file it with anybody. Uh, If you do form as a nonprofit corporation, and again, most tinies do not, they stay by default unincorporated associations. But if you wanted to be a nonprofit corporation, well, I wouldn't consider you a tiny anymore, but yours might be a small homeschool group. You file articles of incorporation with your state, and that is paperwork you do send into your state. I have samples over at homeschoolcpa.com slash samples on articles of association, uh, articles of incorporation, and bylaws. As a tiny, you might want to draft bylaws. You should. You need to draft that organizing document, your bylaws. You might want to also have something called articles of association. And again, by and large, you don't ever file that with anybody. As far as I know, I have not come across any state that requires you to send in these articles of association 
as an unincorporated association. I've never seen a state request that. They seem to only care about you filing articles of incorporation when you want to form as a nonprofit corporation. Got that? Okay. So, so far, your tiny group may have created bylaws and articles of association, but you don't file them anywhere. Okay. So, nothing to file so far. <laughs> okay. Um, let me tell you about when there are things that you might need to file. One is when you want to open up a bank account, you then have to get a number called an employer identification number or EIN. You get it from the Internal Revenue Service. You get it for free. Go, you know, Google or look on my website under um, my art, my resources and articles. I explain what an EIN number is, how to get it, what the form is you file or get it online. And even though it's called employer identification number, you don't have to be an employer. But it's an identification number for businesses, for uh, nonprofits, even tinies. Okay, so that might be the first interaction you have with any government entity is when you say, I want to open up a bank account. I need to get an employer identification number. You get it from the IRS. It's an automatic system. They spit them out like candy is what I say. But when you go file that for that EIN, the IRS has a form called an SS-4. Go Google it. Go look at what they're going to ask you before you hop online. If you have any questions about it, uh, my book called Money Management in a Homeschool Organization will help you answer some of the questions you have about it. Or check out homeschoolcpa.com. Put EIN in the search box and you'll see some tips I have shared over the years of filing for that thing. So that's probably the first time you're ever going to file anything. You're going to say, this is our name. This is you know, our address. It's kind of like ah, some, some organizations feel like that's when their group was born. Well, maybe in the eyes of the IRS, but you were really born when you formed that board and drafted those bylaws saying, here's our purpose and here's who we are. So that's probably the first thing you're going to file, an EIN, when you want to open up a bank account because the bank requires you to have that EIN number. And the bank might also want to see, like I said, your bylaws or articles of association. Now, let me also talk about one uh, the one other thing the IRS will probably want from you every year if you want to be tax exempt. And I'm going to talk a lot more about tax exempt in the next podcast episode number 177, which will air in August of 2018. But it, it's on an annual basis, you need to maintain your tax exempt status by filing an electronic postcard with the IRS called a Form 990N. So that might be a form you need to file, okay? It's to maintain your tax-exempt status, assuming you're eligible for tax-exempt status, and you probably are if you're a tiny homeschool group with a board and bylaws and a nonprofit purpose, you're eligible for tax exemptions. It's not automatic. You have to apply for it or you have to phone the IRS and request it as a tiny organization. You don't have to apply for 501c3 tax-exempt or 501c7 tax-exempt organization, but you do have to maintain it by filing that 990N, the electronic postcard. This thing is simple and short, ladies and gentlemen, it'll take you five minutes once a year, okay? So you file once to get an employer identification number every year to maintain tax-exempt status so you're not paying any taxes on any surplus that you have in your, in your program, your organization, you file a 990N electronic postcard. Now, the last thing you might file, two things I want to touch on, two things, might be your state. 
has a what they call a charitable solicitation registration requirement. And this varies by state. But in general, if your organization as a nonprofit ever wants to solicit charitable donations, or usually included in that is have a fundraiser, which is almost like soliciting for money. It's just a fundraiser, though, not a donation, fundraiser. The states care about that, and they usually want to have nonprofits register in the state to say, I'm a legitimate nonprofit. Look, here's my bylaws, here's my board members' names, here's my articles or my bylaws. Okay, They want to see that, maybe, so they know you're legit and they don't harass you because there are a lot of organizations, people out there that are not legitimate nonprofits and they go around asking for donations and it's they're crooks. They're crooks, okay? So usually it's the state attorney general's office that has some sort of charitable registration requirement. Varies by state and a lot of times the states say if you're tiny, <laughs> you don't have to register with us. Now or there's some other exemption from registering. Common exemptions from registering as a charitable solicitation organization in your state include things like a small dollar amount, and I've seen $25,000 as a common threshold with the states, but it varies by state. I'll tell you in a minute how to find your state uh, thresholds. And basically they say, if you have less than $25,000 of revenue, and if you're a tiny homeschool group, you do, we don't care. We don't care for you to register. Don't, don't file anything with us. Or sometimes they say, hey, if you're only soliciting donations or fundraisers within your membership, I don't care. state doesn't care about that. They care more about when you get bigger and when you're kind of going to the public door-to-door. So how you can find out what your state requires for charitable solicitation registration is a wonderful website that I find very helpful. I use all the time. It's called Harbor Compliance. Harbor, like ships in a harbor, compliance.com. I'll put the link to that in the show notes, uh, and the show notes can always be found at homeschoolcpa.com slash podcast. And this is episode number 176, about tiny homeschool groups. So um, Harbor Compliance is a wonderful, uh, has wonderful resources and lists by state what is required from nonprofits and they call it their nonprofit compliance guide. So if you go over to harborcompliance.com and try to search on their information center nonprofit compliance guide, you should come up with a list by every state of what is required to file in that state. Now I'm going to warn you, they will talk about annual reports and they mean annual reports for nonprofit corporations. Most of you tinies are unincorporated associations and don't have to file that annual report because you have never formed as a nonprofit corporation in your state. Just be aware of that. I've not come across a state that requires annual reports from unincorporated associations. The states only seem to care about getting annual reports if you're a nonprofit corporation. So Harbor Compliance is helpful in telling you if you're a nonprofit corporation, here's the annual report you got to file, usually with the Secretary of State. Here's what you have to do if you are soliciting donations or having fundraisers. That's usually a report filed with the Attorney General. And finally, there are a few states, only a handful, like six of our 50 states in the United States, that require a business license for a nonprofit. So most states don't require a business license for nonprofits, but six of them do. You can go over to 
Harbor Compliance website. Look for their nonprofit compliance uh, guide and see if your state is one of those six. I might be able to put something in the show notes about it. But so to sum up and to wrap up this short podcast, does my tiny homeschool group need to file anything? Uh, They need to create bylaws as a formation document and probably articles of association, but those don't need to be filed anywhere. They, you probably need to file what's called an SS-4 with the IRS in order or go online to request an employer identification number, and that's you can set up a bank account. And typically, um, the banks want to see both uh, your bylaws, your articles of association as an unincorporated association, and that EIN number. They want to see that stuff when you open up a bank account with them. I hope that you will apply or call the IRS to request a tax-exempt status so you don't pay taxes on your surplus. And in order to maintain that tax-exempt status, you have to file every year a 990N electronic postcard. Very short. I'll talk more about that in episode 177 called Do We Need to Pay Taxes? And then finally, your state might require you to file an charitable solicitation registration. You register with them once. Uh, You might have annual reports if you're actively soliciting and depending if you get over the threshold or or other things like that. Okay, Rare, but six states might require a business license from you as a nonprofit. So, whew, bit to absorb. You might need to listen to that again. (laughs) But if you're a tiny homeschool group there's really not a lot you need to file but make sure you check with your state Uh, again i find harborcompliance.com to be very helpful website to look up to see what your state might require from you and that um, annual information return the 990n electronic postcard from the irs that might be all you have to do on an annual basis not too bad right Okay, hope that was helpful. Hope that relieves some fears and concerns you had about what you need to be filing. If you've not been filing these things, you never heard of them before, well, that might be a a good opportunity for you to um, drop me an email over at homeschoolcpa.com. My name is Carol Topp, and I can talk through how you might need to get right with the IRS, perhaps with your state, but probably more likely if you didn't know about that annual requirement to... um, maintain your tax exempt status or be tax exempt then definitely want to listen to the next episode 177 but we can talk we can talk through what you need to do to get your tax exempt status okay which is what i help homeschool groups do so hey uh good luck and continue running those wonderful tiny homeschool groups that are vital to the uh, success of homeschooling and so important to so many families so thanks for what you're doing and i hope you found this helpful Thank you for joining the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with Carol Topp here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. For more helpful information, visit Carol at her website, homeschoolcpa.com.